Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, and gobbledygoo, we're back for 24. <laughs> gobbledygoo? Uh, we all go gobbledygook for Zach Stubbledy Cook as we recap 9 pm to 10 pm on day 6, season 6, episode 16 of 24. And let's just say we're getting into the good bins. This is a decent bin. Um, it's still got some absolutely terrible stuff in this episode, but it's so close to not being a bin this week. So close that this will be the end of the bin streak for at least a couple of weeks on Ben Waterworld. Let's spoil everything. Uh, plenty to talk about in this episode. This first aired on March 26, 2007, a day in which the great movie actress Emma Myers celebrates her birthday. I have never heard of her. Uh, also a day that Pedro Pascal is only number six behind bad boy Halo. Fuck you, bad boy Halo, above Pedro Pascal. Marvin Gaye's birthday is on April the 2nd, but, uh, you know, apparently behind bad boy, I don't have got his name within two seconds. Michael Fassbender's on this list. Um, I mean, esteemed stars. Pascal Siakam, great Toronto Raptor, come on. Uh, also on April 2nd, uh, the great time that America entered World War I. <laughs> President Woodrow Wilson uh, went to US Congress to declare war on Germany. So uh, there you go. And in 1992, on April the 2nd, mafia boss in New York, John Gotti, was convicted of murder and racketeering and also sentenced to be played by John Travolta in a bad movie <laughs> later on in history. So that was his sentence on that day. Uh, written by the great people that were Robert Cochran and Evan Katz, directed by Brad Turner. And... We're going to talk about it right now. My name is Ben, and I'm not going to forget about the kiss, and I don't think you are either. My name is Colin, and gobbledygook! <laughs> um, I mean, look, this has got some... I really wish I didn't bin this episode, but there's just such... I'm going to get big rants in this episode, particularly with the presidential stuff, because it's just laughable how bad it is. Um, and then the mic stuff is terrible. But if you take all of that away, like, we get some great, like, Santa Monica Pier as a location at night. Amazing. Uh, I've got some issues with oh, it, though. I love it. Uh, Fayette and Grinch. It's open for business after a nuke went off. I know, but, like, it's just, it's just, it's like when we got the Coliseum at the end of season two, there's just some LA locations where I'm like, yeah, like, I'm saying we never get Disneyland. I don't know, it's LA, it's Anaheim, but, like, whatever. But, like, there's just sometimes you just. You get a, a show that's set in a city and there are obvious locations when they use it, you're like, fuck yeah. Like, Jack Bauer and Santa Monica Pier, I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, there, there's we're, we're getting close, Colin, to some good shit for at least two weeks. 
I'm not entirely sure if I'll been this one. Um, I actually quite liked a lot of it. And I think the episode starts and I'm assuming I'm going to hate everything. And then it ends and I'm like, I should be hating this. But weirdly, I don't. So I might be swayed to a rent. Who knows? I'm not going to be swayed to a buy for sure. I mean, it'll be a rent at the best. Gotta say, we get straight into the bullshit of this episode because we're going to get the presidential stuff over with. Let's remember the cliffhanger last week, ladies and gentlemen. It was Vice President of the United States, Noah Daniels, gone, hmm, invoke the 25th Amendment. Now, let's go back to season two when we had this storyline. I believe it was like an episode or two that kind of Alan Dale had to get things in order and, you know, like that Mike was doing shit and like it took a little bit to get shit into gear. Oh, day also that a nuclear bomb had gone off, right? It has gone beep, 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 9 p.m. on a day where a nuclear bomb has gone off. All right. We come back into this episode. What is it, like 9.03 p.m. or something like that? <laughs> 9.04 p.m.? The entire cabinet has already sit down. They've got the attorney general on the line. They're all ready. They're chilling. They've got their documents ready to go. Wayne Palmer, after being woken up from the dead, Two minutes ago, he's already in his suit, doing up his tie, brushing his... Well, not brushing his hair. That's a bit mean to D.B. Woodside. Uh, get ready to walk out of the wheelchair and walk into the room. Um, like, everything's ready to go. Fuck off. Um, like, and then all of a sudden, within five seconds, they're getting ready to vote. And they're all like, yes, as we all know, vice president over here doesn't think old president over here can do his job. Let's hear from some counsel. This is like, I'm literally looking at the timestamp. Five minutes, 56 seconds into this episode. So this is at right now, 9.05 p.m. They've organized the cabinet of the United States government. They've gotten the attorney general. They've gotten votes. They've gotten documents. They've gotten everything ready to go. They've gotten the only person to come in to defend the president, the doctor. Hi, I'm the doctor. (laughs) So what happened? Yes, this guy nearly died about 17 minutes ago. But hey, I woke him up and he's pretty good darn president, if you ask me. Uh, so, this is where he's supposed to be. They told me to do it. Exactly. I want this on record. <laughs> this guy's like being bent over a barrel right now. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like this one woman's like, what would your vote be? And then I love Peter McNichol. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't ask him questions like that. Get him out of here. Uh, and then all of a sudden they just go to like uh, Vice President Daniels. I really want to nuke a country. I don't think he's fit to be a president. <laughs> it just reminds me of... Uh, I don't know how when the last time you would have watched the South Park movie was, but it just reminds you of it like the United Nations or whatever when you've got this whole like section where like the Canada's like defending themselves from America. It's like, hey, buddies, we don't believe that America should be able to do this. We're trying to defend ourselves. And we think America has been very unfair against Canada. And this is not a good way for de- declaration of war. And they cut to an American guy and he's just like, fuck Canada. And everyone's like, Aah! and he's like, hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> like literally the vice president is just like, Fuck this guy. Let's bomb the country. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so bad. And again, let's remember back to season two when the vote came in. That was a very good episode. That was a whole episode of this debate, right? We ranked that very highly, the boardroom scene of season two. Mm. They had a cool, like, vote. They went around to everybody. How does the Minister for Agriculture vote? I vote yay. How does the Minister for chairs and tables vote? I vote nay. And, like, it was very (laughs) tense, right? You saw the red dot and the green dot and everything going around the table. This time around, freaking Peter Manickles are like, say, who wants to be president? Hands up. Cool. <laughs> no? Okay. Yeah. 7-7. Seven, seven. Awkward. Tony General, what happens here? Like, you are the freaking, you know, right-hand man to the president. You should know this shit. You know policy back to front. But, oh, what happens in the tournament? Oh, awkward. I don't know. Um, so it's all like, well, 
The good news is in a tie, the president remains president. And everyone's like, yay, USA, USA. And then Noah Daniels is like, wait a minute. She quit. She's on thing. Ha ha, I'm president. And Karen's like, no, I sat with you in a cabinet meeting. And the vice president's like, doesn't count. Shut up. Didn't see you. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to which then it completely gets even more laughable because they're all like, this is thing. And it's like, what do we do in this situation? And the attorney general's like, this is a legal matter. And it's like, okay, <laughs> this could take weeks. It really could. Wait a minute. The Supreme Court sat today. We could get them together in an hour. At 9.30 at night, why was the Supreme Court sitting on a day where a nuclear bomb went off? <laughs> shit, a nuclear bomb went off in America. Still got court shit to do. Hurry, hurry, chop, chop. Within an hour, you were going to decide this? I want to live in a 24 world where their legal system... This is back to the future levels of bullshit right now. Like, the justice system works really well in the future. They can decide you and try you within the space of an hour. This is literally, hours, yeah. literally happening. So it's all like, oh, my God. So we get Sandra Palmer. This is Regina King's last episode of 24, by the way. Can we just point oh. that out? Um, so they're all like, oh, shit, the Supreme Court's been in 20 minutes. Better write an affidavit because uh, all the legal law stuff I know, like... Why, why do shows like Boston Legal and The Practice and Ally McBeal exist when they can do legal shit in 20 minutes? We don't need 22 episode seasons of law shows. Get it done within 20. Regina King, best lawyer ever. Done your affidavit, <laughs> Mr. President. And then we cut to freaking Lisa and the president. Shit, we really have no way of winning this, do we? I know. I could lie. You're a genius. <laughs> to which all of a sudden out of nowhere... Peter McNichol, hey, Mr. Vice President, how you doing? So, by the way, totally recorded your conversation. Ha ha, you lose. To which then he's like, ah, oh, shit. Hi, Mr. Attorney General. Uh, I stand down. And then we get maybe one of the most cringeworthy lines in this season when, like, you get the phone call. And it's like, I don't understand. The pre- you're, what's happening? And Wayne Palmer's like, what does that mean? And then Regina King's like, that still means you are the President of the United <laughs> States. I still want Wayne Palmer to go, oh, but not Burkina Faso. God yeah. damn it. Um, he's pretty Spears still my Secretary of Defence. <laughs> uh, I will also say there's a great line, though. One, maybe my favourite bit of this whole storyline this week is when um, after they sort of go their separate ways to write their affidavit, um, uh, Powers Booth grabs Peter McNichol. And it's basically like, I'm beginning to think you're not on my side. And then Peter McNichol is like, I'm on the side of the United States of America, yeah. sir. <laughs> Don't know what you thought otherwise. Like, that's a great line. So anyway, it's all like, yay, let's celebrate Wayne Palmer still president. Oh, what a way to celebrate the episode. Um, to which we then get maybe one of the dumbest cliffhangers in the history of 24. Just saying it right now because they're all in the room. We get a nice little moment between Karen and, and Peter McNichol shaking their hands, call the truth, call the truth. And as you said last week, Peter McNichol does this cool thing like with his arm and twitching and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff where he's kind of like, you know, doing this in a way. Then we get the phone call. It's like, what? That's absurd. What are you talking about? It's like, what are you, what's going on? President Palmer has gone ahead with the nuclear strike. Like, what? And they're all like running into the room and like, but sir. And it's like, what are you doing? It's like, you all thought I was weak. I'm a man, damn it. I'm D.B. Woodside. Nuke them. And then you see the, the cliffhanger. You see the actual missiles being launched this week. Beep, 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 beep. Again, I remember watching this at the time. First time watching, you're literally like, what? Like, holy fuck. Like, what the fuck's going on? It works on a first-time viewing live in 2007. 
knowing where this goes, and this is, again, such a season six thing where this is just basically forgotten about in five minutes next week because, oh, this is like a, you know, pull the wool over and eyes moves by the president here. It's dumb. It's so stupid. And, like, I love DB Woodside, but he's doing that old, like, uh, the director's in his ear, like, look twitchy. Look twitchy, DB. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just there's <laughs> something about it that's almost laughable, old twitchy DB here. Um, it's so bad. I hate this. And it's just like, I don't know. It, it's the worst part of next week. But again, it's forgotten about so quickly. So I can kind of give it a pass mark after next week. But I don't know. I do not like this cliffhanger. It's dumb. Uh, we'll get into it more next week. But I'm going to disagree because I feel like I like it more after seeing next week's episode. Because um, here it's just like, oh, that's random. Like, what's going on? Uh, but they, they do bring some logic to it. Uh, it, it. It ties into our defenses of Lennox and Daniels that we've had throughout the season. I think that's what I like about it. But, uh, uh, I mean, first thing, like you said, Wayne's already in his suit. He's walked down the hall. It has been two minutes. My biggest question is, when we last left him, Karen and Sandra in the room with him, did he strip down in front of them? Did they help him get dressed? Like, this is sick. You don't you don't get your what chief of staff and your sister to help you get dressed. <laughs> well, <laughs> when, it's you're, when you're Woodside. trying to be presidential, well, I'm sure that they enjoyed it, but I mean, it still, wouldn't. just inappropriate. Uh, that's just wrong. Uh, I also love how they always we've gotten to the point now where they they can't even find a clever way to cover for it. It's just uh, Fayed's country. Oh, you're about to go to war yeah. with Fayed's country. Senator Jack, don't they? Jack, they're yeah. about to nuke Fayed's country. <laughs> Is, is this the, the Republic, the Islamic Republic of Fayed's country? Is that the full name for it? Like, <laughs> oh, Fayed's country. We love each other. <laughs> it's just, it's getting so obvious at this point. Um, I, I also love as, as cheesy as it is. I love Lennox coming in there and, you know, saying I recorded this whole thing. And I even love Powers Booth's whole let's lie about, or, or what is it? Lisa with her let's lie about it. Um, cause, cause it's, it's building. This is the type of soap opera drama I want. It doesn't need to be a love story to be a soap opera. It could be ridiculous and absurd. It could be, yes, but what if we lied so we could stay in power and get what we want and nuke Fayed's country? Uh, well, that would be, it's treason then, you know? Like it's, it's very Star Wars. Like, and it's Star Wars is essentially soap opera, right? Yeah. Um, but it's over the top. And then when Peter McNichol comes in, and it's funny because I... I didn't remember exactly how, you know, uh, this turned around, like with, with uh, Daniel stepping down. And the first thing I saw to myself when they're having the conversation is somebody's bound to be recording this. Right. And then in comes Lennox and he's like, do you recognize this? And I'm like, yes, that's we're on the same wavelength. That's my kind of man there. <laughs> it's like, it's like, um, I don't know if you had in Canada that TV show, this is your life where like they would get as like a celebrity for oh, an yeah. hour and go over their life. And they would always go, do you recognize this voice? Uh, like yeah. <laughs> I, kind of, I want Peter McNichol to be like, so I'm even recording. Powers Booth, do you recognize this voice? Yeah, <laughs> it's very much the way it is. But like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that Peter McNichol and Powers Booth can make these things work. Because uh, e- even the way that he kind of plays it off with, with Karen later on, and again, the Karen Lennox dynamic is just so much fun to watch. Because yeah. the worst writing in this episode is the dialogue in the scene they have. But the best acting in this episode is probably the way that they handled the dialogue in that scene. Uh, and even when she's saying, it's like, I'd be very curious to know how uh, how Daniels just suddenly changed his tune so quickly because you were in the room with him and then he came out a different man. And he's like, beats me. It's like, maybe one day you'll tell me that story. He goes, 
Maybe someday, yeah, Karen. Yeah, I like that. And then he just moves on. Like, the, the writing is so bad, but, like, I love the way that they play that scene. It's just fantastic. Uh, and then Wayne launching the strike. Like, it, it, it looks ridiculous. Like, you just come in so randomly. But even this time, like, I didn't remember this whole section of what Wayne did after this. I honestly thought the way this played out was he overruled their decision. And then he's just gone in a couple of weeks or whatever. But throwing this extra bit in there, I got the opportunity to be surprising. And it's like, why is he launching the strike? Why? And then and maybe that's one of the reasons why next week, when they do bring a little bit of an explanation to it, I appreciate it. Big plot hole that I just discovered. Why is there no nuclear football for them to launch these codes? We had this yeah. whole thing in season four about the page and the nuclear bomb and entering things. And this is a thing, as far as I'm not mistaken, that to launch a nuclear bomb, you've got to have like, there's a guy with a thing, like it's it's a real thing. So like in like three weeks, we've had all this, let's, you know, bomb Syria, not Syria, um, bomb Yemen. the Middle East, fired, <laughs> the Republic of Fayed. And sorry to our Syrian listeners, don't bomb Syria. Um, <laughs> Yemen, screw them. Um, but it's, where's the, the, the protocol here? Like they would have to change well, these codes like three times in the last two hours because we had a vice president, president, now president again. Like it's what? Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing Wayne came in and he did. He goes, oh, that whole football thing, that's a Republican thing. We're Democrats. Yeah. We don't like to waste time with precautions. You think we're... Fly by the seat of our pants. You think we're left? <laughs> Screw it. Let's show them those balls. I'm a man. That's Dude. right. He's really been looking to prove a point this whole season. Like, we're joking about it, but that actually kind of fits with his character. He's like, no, 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 no. I need to show these people that I'm man enough to pull the trigger. Let, let's be honest. We know DB Woodside's got a massive dong, but when you're up against Powers Booth, like there's a there's a there's a dong off going on there because like, <laughs> seriously, Powers like I don't know who would have the bigger dong. Like I really don't. Like I'd, I'd need to measure that. Um, this is why we need Gina Torres to be alive still. Her and yeah. Lisa just going back and forth. No, no, no. He's got the big one. No, no. I got pictures. Let me show you, they're, girl. They're both men. Like I, if I, I wish I became a man one day. And I, I, I <laughs> one day what you do? I, I really do. When I grow up to be a man. And I hope that I'm a combination of Powers Booth and DB Woodside. Like seriously, like like this this very like powerful white man with a bald head and a massive dong. Like, you need to change your name to like DB Powerside or something I, like that. I, I, let's reverse it. I'm not saying I purely like I I grew up if I was a very powerful black man with hair, I'd be completely fine with that too. Like I'm not saying I'm choosing white over black. It's just more of a I'm combining <laughs> one's got hair, one doesn't, and they've both got different skin color. I'm digging myself a hole here. The point is, I want to be DB Booth. That's right. <laughs> or Powers Woodside. <laughs> That's my new porn star name. Powers Woodside. DB Booth might be a little bit too close to John Wilkes Booth. Um, in America, That's it's not going to fly. Pa- Powers Powers Woods Booth. I don't know. <laughs> Powers Woods Booth. That's a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Powers Woodside. How you going? I'm walking. Imagine walking into a first date. How you going? Love him. Powers Woodside. And, you know, it doesn't really work if you combine anything else, other than Peter McNichol, Nick, Nickel McNichol or whatever. Uh, we can't really have a Kiefer Schroeder, you know, oh, uh, Ricky Sutherland. No, you don't want to weaken a man right there. If you want to be a weak man. Hi, I'm Kiefer Schroeder. I'm, I'm Ricky Sutherland. Carlo Balfour. Rick, Ricky Sutherland sounds like a character that Ricky Schroeder played in like the 1980s. <laughs> That's his stage name. Because Ricky, Ricky Schroeder's not man enough. I'm going to change my name to Ricky Sutherland. Seriously, Ricky Schroeder in any conversation about man, no. Uh, <laughs> Keith Sutherland, yes. Um, oh, Ricky Prince Jr. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. I'm sorry to Freddie Prince Jr. I like you. But your name is Freddie Prince Jr. Like, I mean, come on. 
Who's Freddie Prince Senior? Was he a thing? Yeah. Um, well, he was. That was his very famous father. <laughs> Clearly, I'm a fan of Freddie <laughs> Prince Senior. <laughs> Loved him. Is that is that like is that like say oh it's Freddie Prince Senior Freddie Prince Junior's dad? No, it was it was, it was like a, <laughs> yeah I I mean I never saw it myself but it was like a, a shorter I guess shorter is in like two or three seasons but the shorter lived like it was the first Hispanic sitcom or something like that that Freddie Prince Senior starred on or something and it kind of has taken on this legendary status at, at that's what, why he decided to take the junior name. At what point like uh, this is such an American thing sorry to be on a bit tangent here but we're on the topic of names like I I don't like my name enough if I ever have a child to call him Ben Waterworth Jr. First of all, I wouldn't <laughs> torture him to give him a name of someone like me. That's not right. But, like, w- what point is, like, Freddie Prince? Because I'm sure he wasn't Freddie Prince Sr. when he had Freddie but Like, he was just Freddie Prince, right? So then yeah. all of a sudden he's just like, hey, Mrs. Prince, we've had a son. What are we going to call him? <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. Well, that means I'm Freddie I... Prince Sr. then. like, I was going to say that is the most Ben Waterworth thing ever to do. That's the Ben Waterworth Vanity Project's conclusion. <laughs> ben like, Waterworth Jr. I, I, but then I also, the fact is like, what makes you decide between Freddie Prince Jr. and Freddie Prince the second? Like, <laughs> you know how some people are like the second, like, why are you the second and junior? And then if Freddie Prince Jr. has another son and wants it to be Freddie Prince Jr., is it Freddie Prince Jr. Jr.? Does Freddie Prince Sr. <laughs> pass on the title of senior oh, to Freddie Prince Jr.? So then here's Freddie Prince Sr. Takes, senior. If somebody takes the second, does their child have the option to not be the third, but to be uh, Freddie Prince the second junior? Like, like there's a hierarchy here that is never explained in the naming of like juniors and seconds and thirds. And can girls be junior? Like, is this a modern? Yeah, you know, it's weird. I, I don't know of any girl juniors. You, you never hear like, if you have a daughter, Jamie Hilding Jr. Jamie <laughs> Hilding the second. Like, why can't girls be juniors and seconds? This is why if I'm Powers Woodside, I crap that stuff out. I'm a man. I'm like, no, <laughs> you call your kids something different. Be original. It's lazy well, to call if, you junior or the second. If you've got a name like Colin or Ben, you're not going to choose junior for that kid. You're like, I oh, know what our names, our names aren't cool enough as yeah. it is. But if your name is Powers, like you're either going to go with junior because like this kid's going to be made or you're going to be like, listen, there's only one Powers booth. OK, I'm not sharing the type of power I have as Powers booth. I, I'm not even joking when I say this. If I am to ever have a son, Powers is a name that I would consider. That is an awesome <laughs> fucking name. Yeah. Powers Waterworth. Like or I'm just if, if, if it's not going to happen. But if we ever had another kid. You and I. Uh, we've run out of boy names. Yeah, me and you. If we ever, don't don't talk about the first couple we had. But I, I just want to just forego. Does your name stand anything? And just have your name be DB. Yeah. You know, forget about whether what does DB stand for. It stands for DB. Yeah. That's all it is. Exactly. That, that's and, but you spell it D E E B E E. DB. Like it's like Debbie, but DB. Right, like BB, yeah, and then that BB w- was actually just BB. Yeah, well, that that way you don't <laughs> you don't actually get the question all the time of what does DB stand for. If your name is DB, then <laughs> it's like, oh, we're smart on this show. Powers Waterworth coming soon. <laughs> what a name! Anyway, um, we got let's get at the other rubbish bit over this episode. Uh, Mike Doyle has why does he have? Bill's office or Jack's office or like the, the, the cool <laughs> office at the top. Like we've got Milo and Nadia mildly flirting like, hey, we'll fuck after today. We certainly will. Maybe not you, Milo. You might be dead. But moving on. Um, what, Like then we get this phone call. Boop, 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 boop. Nadia, don't say my name. Come out to my office. Okay. Why is that his office? 
He's a temp from Denver who's come in two hours ago and he's got the absolute best office in CTU. Poor Bill. Like, <laughs> what's Bill doing? Where's Bill's office? In the attic? Like, this is one of well, my biggest plot holes of this episode. Like, he should have an office technically because when Jack had that position in season three, he had his own office. Yeah. So there's a temp office there somewhere that's not in Curtis's office is not in use. Exactly. I mean, did they have to fumigate it or something? But this is like the best office in CTU and give it to Mike Doyle. So basically, <laughs> I just, this plot is just, what, what are the right, like, I, I want to blame Ricky Schroeder. I'm blaming Ricky Schroeder. I like the writers of this show too much to think this is them. Ricky Schroeder's come in. Do, 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 do. I'm Ricky Schroeder. Who am I playing? Ricky Sutherland? No, Mike Doyle. Sounds like a character I would have played in the 80s. Let's go with it. All right. I want an office. I want to be slightly racist, but I want to read the Quran. Okay, Ricky, you can have creative freedom. So he's all like, Nadia, so uh, I think we got off the wrong foot. Nadia's like, um, you assaulted me. And she's like, well, I'm going to make good for that. So Milo I believe there was a backdoor in his system that somebody got through. You need to get me evidence of that, and then we're going to do something about that. So she goes, and is all like, hey, Milo, I put a picture of my boobs in the toilet. Go look at it. Okay. <laughs> so then she, like, gets onto his computer. Hey, Ricky Schroeder found the back door. There it is. Thank you. Let's delete it. Why does Mike need Nadia to do this? Mike can do this because Mike walks up to the computer and just presses delete. You've added yeah. extra work to your day, you dickhead. Um, <laughs> fuck, I hate this character. To which then all of a sudden, we've got to go on this, like we've gone from Mike's evil, no, he's good. Mike's evil, no, he's good. Let's redeem the racist character of Mike by making him read the Bible and the Quran and the freaking all these other religious texts because he's trying to find his answer. You found yours. <laughs> Don't judge me. Fuck <laughs> off. Like, you literally have him admitting he's a racist. I was a racist because it was the right thing to do, but I read the Quran. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is the 24 version of, I'm not a racist, but. Like, it's seriously. <laughs> I have black friends. <laughs> I have black friends. You know, like, it's just, it's literally, that is what they're trying to do with this character. In 2007, this flew. Everyone bought this into, oh, that Ricky Schroeder, lol, look at him, <laughs> old scallywag. I'm cancelling Mike Doyle in 2023. This is some bullshit right here. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I hate Mike Doyle. Anything to add on this crap before we move on to the good stuff? Um, I mean, it doesn't... Like, none of this plot really makes sense because he's... Uh, I guess the point of it is you're trying to put some type of conflict between Nadia and Milo here. Yeah. But Mike saying, oh, you know what? This was Milo's mistake. So we need... Okay, Milo has been using, or Nadia has been using Milo's login. So by him saying Milo's implicated in this, he's actually saying, Nadia, you're still implicated. So if you want to keep this character interesting, if you want to just continue to prolong this a little bit further to keep him a little bit suspicious, just say, let's not forget that thing that everybody in the audience was told for weeks that you're using his login. You have to do this because of this. Like, have it be a little bit of blackmail. Like, it's like they got worried after a couple, I, I I know I mentioned during the um uh the the uh, uh Gregory Itz and Gene Smart commentary that uh somebody was saying, oh, they're getting ready to have him take over for Kiefer Sutherland if he doesn't come back next season. She's like, oh, he's too much of a schmuck. <laughs> it's like they realize after two or three episodes, he really is that much of a schmuck. We need to lighten him up because he might be our guy that's taking over next. We don't know what Kiefer's contract was. Was he signed for season seven? So they're all of a sudden just overcorrecting his character yeah. when what you should be doing is just saying, hey, you know what? You were using his login, so you're both going down, so just help me to just wipe the slate clean here. 
And then the line, I mean, it's sometimes you hear a line and you're like, I see where you could have gone with this, but you just weren't smart enough to realize it. The whole line about him saying, I know the Quran, I know the Bible, I know this, I know that. The way that line should have gone would have been to say, I'm educated enough to know on Muslim people it, what my judgments are. You, you don't have it be, I'm looking to find myself. Because again, you're trying to overcorrect and lighten this character when that should just simply be a line stating that he is educated the same way that we have Powers Booth giving arguments as to why his poor judgment has some validity behind it. Give us a reason why Mike Doyle's poor judgment has validity behind it. That's what that line should be there for. Yeah. It's like they, they they saw how to write this or maybe how many screenwriters were in this episode? Did you? Two, uh... two. So it's like one of them decided to write this great speech and the other one said, uh, Evan Katz is like, uh, Robert, you know, you're... Your speech uh, about the Quran, it would make more sense if he was just trying to be a nice guy. And it's like, and then that other thing you wrote, Robert, about how you just want to make sure that uh, the country is safe and it's all for the greater good and you don't have any grudging against Milo. No, let's just have a little bit of that that, that shadiness with him still and say, hey, if he's going down, you're going down, so you better do it. You, you have these people be in debt to you. Mike would be an interesting character with that. And I'm not hating on Mike as much as you are, but I just, I see the problem with this character is that you could have done something and you just did the exact opposite, which just ruins it. So help me God if they ever thought about Ricky Schroeder replacing Jack. Like I know like 24 Legacy gets a criticism of like, no, Jack, you, you know, replace But Corey Hawkins was never the problem with that show. He was good. He just yeah. did what he could. And it well, just, he's not Jack. They tried to make him Jack and they tried to. Imagine if we had have gotten like, say they were like kept Curtis around, Roger Cross around. Like you would at least buy that because we've been introducing for a few seasons. Or, Tony, like anyone, like any of these characters that you had in the show to be the next Jack. And like, if this was a thing, let's bring Ricky Schroeder in case Kiefer doesn't come back. And that's an issue with legacy is that you kind of just shove him down our throat straight away. And again, Corey Hawkins was never the problem. It was just the show mm-hmm. and the writing. So this is where like, if that's what they were trying to do, that you would give him a slight pass because they've at least brought him in to give him, give him us that, give us him that, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say? But like, God, he would have been the worst option ever. I'd <laughs> rather Renee is the new Jack. <laughs> well, but, but let's even look at Live Another Day. Uh, I can't remember what the character's name is, but the, the blonde woman of that, like they basically Miranda Rothway. saw maybe what, uh, no, not her, like the, the younger one. <laughs> uh, the other lead, oh, I guess no, you you're, No, you're, you're thinking of, um, oh, Live Another Day. Sorry, Sarah? not Legacy. Was yeah, it yeah, Sarah? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. No, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, sorry. I thought I was thinking Sarah. Anyways. I was thinking Legacy. You're talking Live Another Day. Too many L's. Yeah, Live Another Day. Yeah. In season that one, nine, it's like, Colin. Okay. Call it season nine. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But in that one, it's like they 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 took what they did with Renee and they're like, okay, we actually want and I feel like the plan was probably to use her in the future. And then, but I think they set that up much better than they do here with Mike or with anybody else they try. The, yeah, yes and no. I think, again, it's it's problems with Renee, problems with Mike, problems with the blonde, sorry, Sarah, I think it is Sarah. Sarah, um, is her name Sarah? And then Corey Hawkins. Is it like, I think you're never going to have your new Jack. That's the issue. And, yeah. and when you go, Robert Downey Jr. again, the full R word, when you go full Jack straight away, <laughs> and that is my biggest thing with Renee when we get to next season, they just switch it on too quickly. And it's just like, you need a build to that. And that's kind of, I think I do, they do a bit of that in season nine. But having said that, you've only got 12 episodes to play with in season nine. So you kind of have to do that a little bit quickly. But anyway, tangents. It, it was, it was Kate, by the way. Kate. Kate. I was way off. Samponite, I was way off. <laughs> slippy, slappy, but, slappy, Kate, Sarah. Uh, 
But uh, I, I actually wasn't that far off because before she was on 24, she was on the TV show Chuck. I don't know if you ever saw that, where she uh, played a character named Sarah. So there you go. She was a Sarah. She was a Sarah once upon a time. Off to confuse. Oh, goth Chloe. Well, why can't we wait for goth Chloe in season nine? <laughs> um, the good stuff in this episode, though. So basically, uh, Jack Scott Gredenko is calling up to get a, a presidential pardon or whatever, and Jack finds out. I, I will mention the Karen Bill scene's kind of cute on the phone. I kind of like that. Uh, the I miss you line and, oh, I might have sent this country to World War Three. You really did, Karen, bye. Um, <laughs> and I, like, do we actually ever literally see the president giving off on this uh, pardon or this sort of pass to Gradenko, or is that just kind of all implied off screen? Because I feel like... I think it's all off screen. Yeah. Well, no, no, because there's... when I think, isn't when Jack's on the phone with him, he says you know, we can make this so it's not enforceable, which is what the second or third time this season they've said okay, that. Okay, now i got to call that out. Why is that now when in all the other seasons and everyone bends over to get a pardon, you're like, we have to, Nina has to have this. We have to have this. Otherwise, we're not going to get it. If you can make it not enforceable, have that over every other season. Like you <laughs> yeah. let Nina go in season two because of that bullshit. Like, I'm sorry. I'm calling bullshit on that. This is just the issue sometimes I have with this show. I love this show to bits, but like, You've got the plot that just cancels out anything you've got in the past. It's just, it's frustrating sometimes. Um, so anyway, Gradenko's all like, yep, cool. Um, I I can give him a phone call. And this is the only issue I have with this plot line, as I said last week. Why are Gradenko and Fayed all of a sudden now like, hmm, secretive, let's put things under. Yeah. Thing. Like the whole time this season, they've just like rocked up. Sup, how you doing? Now all of a sudden it's like, meet me here and pick a phone up and go to Shed 7 and we will assert you and we will do this. Like, again, it's Yeah, just, it's not consistent. It's not consistent and it doesn't make sense. We need a scene. All you need is a Fayed scene and maybe there was and they deleted it. Fayed maybe could be like, something's off here. My spider senses are not working here. <laughs> Let's add an extra layer here of old Shifty Gradenko just to be safe. And that makes mm-hmm. Fayed a smarter villain. Like, it just... That's what we need here. Outside of that complaint... We're going to go to Santa Monica Pier, which I love, 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 love this location. I've never been to Santa Monica Pier. All the times I've been to LA, I've actually never been there. But we basically get the uh, Casino Royale ow moment where they've like embedded this thing in his arm, which again, technology's got a technology in this show. Why is this a thing now? Wasn't it season one with with Alexis Drazen? They just stuck it under his shirt and they threw it out immediately (laughs) when Mason trying to find it. Nowadays, it's, I mean, it's leading to a cool scene, don't get me wrong, but I mean, like, you know, plot's got a plot. So it's like, yes, you will have to dig into your bone to find this out. Oh, I wonder what that's going to... In hindsight, this is an obvious thing that's going to happen, but I remember watching this for the first time going, like, holy fuck. Um, so they, he's walking along Santa Monica Pier and he's like, oh, maybe I'll get some fairy floss. Uh, like, he was, I'm going to Ferris wheel while I wait for Fayed. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like, I mean, why is it open? Seriously, it bothers me. A nuclear bomb has gone off, and they're like, well, let's keep the amusement park open. <laughs> they're a happy bunch, LA. And there's cars there. If you look, there's cars True. in the parking lot. Like, there's staff working. Uh, that is a solid point. But uh, he gets a phone. Beep, beep. I love Jack. Jack, it's a text message. He's reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> On the ball, Captain Obvious. Um, so he goes into this shed, and then again, it's all like, why are they so suspicious? He's getting searched and he's getting like roughed up. But this is where it's kind of cool because it's kind of like, this is where like Rodeco's kind of like, shh. And he pulls out the wire and then he kind of crushes it. Morris is all like, oh, 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 we've lost, we've lost communication. Checking channel two. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And then Fayette is like, you led them to us. 
And he's like, yes, it's the only way that I could have like gotten rid of it. And it's like, uh, so let's get out of here. There's a slight problem though. And then we kind of cut away. And I think this kind of works better when you don't see the arm getting chopped off. Obviously for TV ratings purposes. And mm. we've seen heads being chopped off and hands being chopped off. So it wouldn't be the first. But uh, so Jack's all like, I don't like this. So he's kind of like running through there. And he's like, I'm going to go in the thing. And like, yes, Gredenko is literally on the other side of the door. And he storms in the room. And he's like, no, he's not. And it's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. The track is reading right there. And then he's like, oh my God, he cut his arm off quick. Which is like a fantastic, like sort of like, <gasps> like yeah. oh my God, like it takes your breath away. So we see old uh, Gredenko here being walked through um, the Santa Monica Pier. There's a bar at Santa Monica Pier, apparently. <laughs> Again, that's open on the day of nuclear strike. Everyone's getting drunk watching CNN. Um, it's like, come on, Jenny, let's go to the local pub and watch CNN. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and then like, I just love this moment here where like Gradenko's kind of like going like, shit, what are we going to do? And then he's just basically like, I've got an idea. It's him. It's the terrorist, that bastard. He bombed America. And then like, he's everyone- not white. It's got to be him. <laughs> yeah. He's white and ethnic looking and bold. <laughs> <laughs> and I love kind of fire. He's like, you son of a bitch. He's like, pew, pew, pew. A bit of a shootout. I didn't realize LA at Santa Monica Pier are very like, you know, liberal area, which is kind of filled with tourists and beach buffs, is filled with rednecks all of a sudden at 10 o'clock at night. Because <laughs> they all start beating the shit out of Fayed. This should be all like, you know, buff beach bros going, what's up, bro? You bu- you're bumming America, are you? Not like rednecks. Yeah, rubble, rubble, rubble. Um, they start beating the shit out of him. Federal agent, federal agent. He shot my friend. I'm sorry about your friend. Fuck, I love Fayed. I hope your friend dies. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> I just I want to get a Don't Even us back on this show just so we can be like I hope your friend dies <laughs> like there are maniacal evil things that just sometimes don't make sense we've never really got Fayette as just like this villain who's just like death to America he's very like kind of like a calm villain oh fuck your friend I hope he dies <laughs> love that line um Jack's got him into custody yeah he saved the day and then I I love this like shot of Gradenko under the wharf with like the moon shining on the water and he's all like, uh, and he falls in and we get this cool like shot of the water lapping over his like corpse. It's really, really cool. And that is the end of him, right? He doesn't yeah. come back. From, that's is there it. even a mention? I, I don't think so. Again, I think it's just one of these ones like, hey, remember Gradenko? No one else does. <laughs> Which also I question, why are they bombing Fayed's country? Gradenko is equally responsible. Oh, we can't bomb Russia. Uh, yeah, they're racist. We can we can invade their consulate, no problems. <laughs> Just ring up freaking Yuri Surov. Hey, so uh, Greninka's from your country. Can we nuke you? Oh, nuke Siberia. <laughs> Nothing happens there. Um, like seriously, you got more empty space in Russia. Warning shot. <sighs> um, yeah, but anyway, I, I like all this stuff. It's it's good. Uh, yeah, I I also love just this dynamic that Fayed and Gradenko have had the last couple of weeks. Just you know, these little shots are taking each other. Like Fayed even talking about. Uh, uh, another one of Gradenko's mistakes. Like they're constantly trying to one up each other on who's the bigger screw up, <laughs> basically. Um, but uh, what I was mentioning last week about when Gradenko just gave himself up that it bothered me until I watched this episode. Uh, I could see it would probably still bother some people because it's not like Gradenko accomplishes anything, but it's it's what isn't necessarily explicitly stated that's interesting, and that's that this is just sheer desperation. But unlike what you would expect. Most people be like, if they're desperate, they're grasping at straws. This guy's grasping at straws, but he's composed about it, you know? Mm, mm. Uh, he gave himself up last week because he's like, I'll figure out a way out of this. I just need some time to think about it, you know? And then uh, when he's saying, oh, you, you got my immunity agreement? Okay, then I'll go. And I'll, he's just going along with everything. 
And then the second he gets there, it's like he had this plan, but nothing in his plan, this isn't even a plot hole, me saying this, but nothing in his plan he could have known about. He didn't know they were going to wire him like this. He didn't know they were going to inject this isotope into his arm. Uh, he didn't know that it was going to be an option to cut off his arm. He's literally winging it, but it, it's, it, again, in the actor's performance, the, the, this guy who's playing Gradenko, that you just believe that this is somebody who's this, uh, I don't know, a sinister of a terrorist is just going to wait for every single opportunity. It's like when people escape from prison, you know? Sometimes people escape from prison because they put together a plan for months and months, and sometimes they're just looking around, they're like, gee, nobody's watching that corner over there. Let me see if I can jump that fence. Oh, I got over Let me see how far I can get. They know they're probably not going to get very far, and that's the same thing with Gredenko. Like, this is my last-ditch effort. If I cut off my arm, maybe I'll live, maybe I won't. And then, and then he gets in the bar and he realizes, oh, I got another opportunity here. Oh, look, he's not white. He's a terrorist. You know, get him. Uh, and then suddenly he gets away. Now, if he had stuck with Fayed, he probably wouldn't have died. Uh, but again, he's he's winging it. And I love that we just have this ending of him collapsing mm. underneath the bridge or that underneath the boardwalk too. on the beach. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a fitting end for who really is, I guess, we kind of joke that Fayed's kind of the forgotten villain, but... In the end, Gradenko's a forgotten villain because they, they, they're sort of supposed to be equal. But because Gradenko got introduced second and not first, we forget about it. And because Fayed sticks around a little bit longer, you know, we forget uh, about Gradenko more. Uh, but I mean, they, they're equal one and you know, one and one for as far as like what their their sinister plan was. Um, <coughs> yeah, choking on it, choking on the sinister <laughs> nature of it. Disgusting. <laughs> Do you want your five hundred uh, liter bottle of water to to? Yeah. I will pull out my. Four liter bottle of Seriously, it's the biggest bottle. He's compensating for something. He's like, <laughs> need a big water bottle, Jamie. I'm a man. Um, I'm power. I'm powers hilding. This is how Powers Booth drinks his water. That that, that is a that is a sippy cup for our Powers Booth. Well, see, That's a shot glass. And I've I literally have it as a sippy because that little straw that comes out. Powers <laughs> Booth is chugging this thing I, I do, wide open. <laughs> I do appreciate how Colin's got the most manly drink bottle with a tiny little straw. <laughs> Give me the biggest drink bottle and a little straw. Compensating, but still realistic about <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, yeah, Gridenko's Gridenko's great, and uh, th- this this entire sequence is amazing. And the fact that he loses his arm, uh, like I-, I didn't remember this, but then I-, I don't know whether it was sort of slowly coming back to me. As soon as maybe they they telegraph it a little bit too. But as soon as they're like, oh, but it's not moving. I'm like, did he just cut off his arm? Like, is I because I had no recollection of how he actually gets away here. Uh, but it's a great twist. And it, it works better that it's done off camera because you're surprising the audience. You know, you don't have to have the gruesome part of it. And it makes it more tense, too, because this is also going to be over and done with very quickly. Like, this is, what, two scenes back to back. Both are done and probably about a minute each. So we're like two minutes of screen time in a 42-minute episode. But this this is what we both loved out of it. It's just it's fantastic. Um, uh, I don't know. Do, do, there's no point in eulogizing Gradenko. He's just sort of a guy who's there. Yeah. But uh, I I feel like he goes out more interesting in this last episode than any episode. If you added up all of his other episodes before now, we're getting the same thing every single week. Uh, scary Russian accent. Him taking a shot at Fayed. Him saying, "Oh yes, we will do this." And and let's also remember he was a character who. He he's technically the one who who was on the suicide mission, which is almost fitting how he ends up dying because this was a plan that was put in place for years and years, and it was all for uh, oh we're gonna blame it on the Arabs, we're gonna finally get what we've been, we've been planning this since the Cold War. I mean, this is a guy who sh- should have been given more motive on screen, but I feel like just in this last episode, his desperation 
and just his coolness under this desperation that he's way more interesting than he'd be out of every other episode he had before now and combine them all. I just think at the end of the day, he's only in it for like, what, five episodes, six episodes. And it's just kind of like, like he's more forgettable than Fayed. And I often forget he's in this season and he's got some decent stuff. And yeah, he's important. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's kind of just like, sure, he's just on a phone a lot of the time and just talks. Like, yeah. I mean, he doesn't really do anything evil. Uh, whereas Fayed at least does shit. Um, you know, so yeah. I mean, well, he 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 does try to start a world war and blame it on the Arabs. I mean, that's something he did <laughs> bad. Yeah, I don't know. It just <laughs> standard. Just a Russian thing. <laughs> if you haven't done that as a Russian, what have you done? Um, sorry if you're Russian. I do like the Russians. Not all right now, apparently. Sorry, Colin. You're like eighth Russian. Um, I mean, technically, we're as my family likes to now remind us, we're Georgian. We're not Russian because well, no longer have to say Russian. You were one of the countries that got invaded by them anyway, so you technically still oh, are Russian. So I said, but Georgia, Georgia is literally the the, the biggest pushover country ever. They, they are the most conquered <laughs> country in the world's history, and wow. that's pretty much a fact. Hello <laughs> to our Georgian listeners. Uh, oh, I'm, hey, I'm speaking as a Georgian. You look up history on it; they are literally like the most. Somebody wants to conquer Georgia, they're like, okay, don't give me that bullshit. Everyone knows it's France. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> France got invaded well, 18 France times. France just has power, though. Like, oh, don't invade us. We've got the Olympics next year. Um, <laughs> I do love my favorite trivia, I think, ever in the, these 24 books. Uh, costume designer Jim Lapidus, Lapidus says that the cast and crew dubbed the craft prosthesis stump that replaced Dim- Dimitri Gradenko's hand in this episode, Mr. Stumpy. <laughs> <laughs> bit inappropriate maybe but uh mr stumpy everyone uh better than ricky schroeder i'm saying that right now um other trivia final appearance of regina king uh i do love oh. i do love the last two here it is seen during the 25th amendment proceedings of this episode that the presidential cabinet in the world of 24 differs significantly with the cabinet of the real world in the show the national security advisor is a voting cabinet member whereas in real life this is not so so, Karen, you're screwed. Uh, additionally, a pair of four-star military officers vote to support Daniels. In real life, such officers would be part of the Joint Chief of Staffs, an entirely separate body for the cabinet. And then, did we not remember that where there's a little guy called Ethan Kanan, the Secretary of Defense? Who, yeah, he's not there! And according to this, the conspicuous, ab- the conspicuous absence of Secretary of Defense, Ethan Kanan, from the 25th Amendment proceedings, remains unexplained. Yes. Uh, very true! So, you know... Why isn't he there? He's like, what, fifth in line why, for the presidency? And why is Regina King there? Yeah. Like, shouldn't somebody be like, listen, this is like a very, very private matter. Your sister does not need to be here. Does this ever go out in history? Like, does this go in the history books? Americans in the future in the 24th universe learning about these secret <laughs> shady 25th Amendment. Like, Powers Booth, once he's not, you know, president anymore at the next year, is he writing in his memoirs? All secrets. Like, of course, surely. This well, is like political news. Forget that. Sandra's writing in it because she's the one who decided to what would delete documents when there was a, a, a federal investigation. Yeah, well, I forgot and about yet, that, hours, la- hours later, she's allowed to, to take the meeting minutes of uh, an attempt to overthrow her brother, the president. Where's our, what's his face? What's happening? He's still in hospital. Uh, well, didn't they say that, didn't they say that she was going to go see him or something like that? Maybe. Or maybe that's maybe. No, I think it's next week. There's like a line that's dropped saying, oh, she went back to be with Waleed. OK, well, fair enough. Um, yeah, this is to me the the closest you can get to a rent without being a rent, because it's just I like all the Jack stuff, but like the White House stuff is just so bad. The Ricky Schroeder stuff is just so bad. 
I, I can't not bin this, but I will say this is the highest bin right now. This is literally <laughs> one step below a rent on my list. So I have this at 110th right below, which funnily enough, as I look at the list, the halfway point of 24 is 109th episode. Obviously, we haven't done half those. We haven't done 109 episodes of the halfway point because that will be the end of it. But right now, the 109th episode, at least on my list, is the last rent. So that kind of is a bit appropriate right now. But I have this just below episode 12 of season two, just above season two, episode two. And this episode will end up overall on my list at 160th. And there will only be one bin in the future that will be above this. So this will end up on my overall list as the second highest bin. So that's almost a compliment to the bin-worthy nature of this episode. And how many worse bins there's going to be going forward in multiple seasons? A lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, this this is a rent for me. Uh, it's going to be lower of, of the last, uh, uh, the, the, the post-episode four episodes of season six. I think I have three rents now. They're all low. This is going to be the lowest of the three. Uh, but I, I still enjoy enough of it. I mean, the, the, some of the presidential stuff does work as ridiculous as it is. The Jack stuff at uh, the end with Gradenko and Fayed's great. So uh, it's going to be firmly ranked at 107 right now, uh, which is my fifth lowest rent. Uh, but it's still a rent. And I had four bins in a row. Uh, and now we at least got one rent. And and, and my, it's going to get better next week because I'm not binning next week. Well, 12 episodes in a row I have binned. And we are getting to the half a day. Two episodes where Ben Waterworth likes after the first four in this one. And there's a last one more to come. But next two weeks uh, are some good episodes. I'm on board with it. And I'm not going to spoil why. I mean, if you listen to this show, you probably know there's a moment coming which I get ridiculously excited for, or maybe the most excited I ever got in 24 history. That is the next week's cliffhanger, which I positively shat myself when that happened. I remember watching it like two in the morning. And I like screamed so loudly. I think my mum woke up and like, I remember texting my friend that I was, I was losing my shit at how excited I was in the next week's episode. But outside of that, that's not the sole reason why I'm ranking it up. We get Jack Bauer on an absolute spree kill next week. And this is the Jack Bauer power hour that you want. There's, if you listen to our Donnie Moropis interview, there's a sequence where he nearly dies again next week in real life as well. It is just, Come for the Jack Bauer next week and stay for the epic conclusion. There's a lot going on next week. Um, it's a buy from me next week. It's so good. Uh, it's still going to be, you know, not super, super high, but it will end up being a top 100 episode for me. And the following week, an even better episode in my mind. So uh, we've got two good episodes to come. I'm glad for that. But you've obviously said you've obviously watched this one as well. So I'm hoping you're as high yeah. as, uh, you know, back into the buy territory next week. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know how high we'll get, but uh, it is... An episode that lacks any logic whatsoever, but it is a blast. Um, and and the cliffhanger is really just the icing on the cake. I mean, all my opinions about next week's episode would stand even if we didn't have that cliffhanger. What's going to be more interesting to me is the one after that, because uh, I, I said at the beginning of the, the season that when this was originally airing, a, episode 18 was where I just stopped. And it wasn't until months later that I went back to watch the final six episodes. And I, I'm not entirely sure why that is. I'm going to be interested in revisiting episode 18 to try to recall my memory as to why I just decided I didn't want to bother with it. And it's not like I said, I'm never watching the show again. It's just like, ah, oh, I'm in no rush to watch this. Oh, I still don't feel like watching the next episode. So uh, that's, that's what I'm interested in. So next week's going to be fun. The one after that's going to be, let me figure out why I gave up on the show for at least a couple months. Oh, the, the one after next week though, if you don't agree with me in that top five moment, I'm going to cry. Um, 
Speaking of crying, I'm crying with excitement because this Thursday, anniversary month, the best one we've ever done. I mean, 2002 anniversary month a couple of years ago was pretty good, but we're doing a Jim Carrey anniversary month. Oh my God, finally. We've only done, what, one Jim Carrey film, The Grinch? So, like, this is my man. This is my favourite actor of all time. 94 was such a powerful year for him. So three movies we are doing, a 1994 movies, and then we're doing, what, a 1999 movie. But I, I'm guessing we're going to start probably in chronological order from 94. I mean, we... Yeah. Uh, what was... Was The Mask first? Or Ace, Ace Ventura? Ventura was first. Ace yeah. Ventura was first. Okay. So, and I, I will say this. Um, I think it's we touched on this. Maybe it is an unpopular or a popular opinion. I actually like the second Ace Ventura better than the first one, to be honest. But I still love the first Ace Ventura. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it. And we get to talk about a Friends actor as we talk about Courtney Cox. Why not? Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a motto. Courtney Cox. Why not? Uh, <laughs> That's a <laughs> that's like a screen t-shirt. <laughs> you literally you literally have like a boardroom meeting. We're talking about casting options. Okay, so we've got the role of uh, middle-aged woman with dark hair, Courtney Cox. Why not? Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm so looking forward it's between to between her and Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> oh, God. Courtney Cox. Why not? That's an offensive remark to Courtney Cox. Come on, <laughs> you leave Courtney Cox alone. The greatest friend of all time, Monica. Um, any thoughts ahead of this month? Because I mean, I'm so excited, so 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 excited for this. Uh, I yeah, I mean, Dumb and Dumber is one that I'm most looking forward to. Yes. Uh, part of that is just because I've been on this uh the, this binge listening to uh this podcast on the movie Speed, and they talked to Jeff Daniels on there, and in like I don't know five six minutes of the segment of their interview with Jeff Daniels. He has one mention about speed and then he talks the rest of the time about Dumb and Dumber. So even <laughs> Jeff Daniels loves Dumb and Dumber and uh, there's some great history behind that. It's going to be a Fairly Brothers movie, a good one too. Uh, and um, yeah, the, the Mask, it's funny because The Mask is the one that everybody talks about like, oh, this movie holds up so well. And yeah, that's the one that I, I feel like I've rarely watched <gasps> since I've become an adult. Like watched it a lot oh, when my. I was growing up and it's I, I've seen it maybe once or twice in I don't know the last 10, 15 years. So it'll be interesting to revisit that one because Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber, I probably still watch this all the time and know them by heart. Uh, and uh, The Mask, not so much. I, and then, of course, Man on the Moon, which I'm really excited I've never about, seen. too. Never, never seen it. Seriously, there's a Jim Carrey movie. And I, I, we will also watch, what, the Andy and Me documentary. We were meant to do that a yeah. few years ago. But I, I'll say, like, The Mask, to me, like, I absolutely fucking love Dumb and Dumber was the only one. I thought I had The Mask and Dumb and Dumber in my top 50. I only had Dumb and Dumber. I, I regret not having How I don't have The Mask in my top 50, I don't even know. But The Mask was just one of those movies that I just watched really. I, I would say I almost watched that more than Dumb and Dumber, and I watched both a lot. But to me, The Mask is one that like I holds up brilliantly, and I think that it's just maybe my favourite Jim Carrey performance out of all those three movies. I think he just... That is a Jim mm. Carrey performance beyond Jim Carrey performances. It's so good. Uh, the villain, I can't remember the actor's name in it. Such an underrated movie villain. He's so good. Um, and a movie where I kind of am on board with an ugly little rat dog. So, um, <laughs> it's not a real dog. Little dogs like that aren't real dogs, but it's just, oh, the mask. It's so good. Love, love, love the mask. Love Dumb and Dumber. Love Ace Ventura. And I hope I love Man in the Moon. I'm sure I will. It's a Jim Carrey movie. So that's coming up. Get excited for that. Uh, Scott Pilgrim in the world, probably still happening. Other shit happening. Oscar month around the corner. Uh, movie reviews. I'm sure we might've seen something by now. We're recording this in December. We're releasing this at the end of January. So a lot's happened in life around then. So I'm probably pregnant by then. I don't know. So um, stay tuned, listen, and do all that sort of stuff. My name is Ben, and starting with you wasn't racist. It's common sense.
And my name is Colin, but you can call me Booth Powerside. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)